podcast with James and Jane. Hey, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you all about the great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out our online seminar program, the workshops we run, as well as our coaching and all the other podcasts we've recorded. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now on to this episode. Hello, this is James. And Jane. And here we are again with another episode of a World of Work podcast. Um, it's a bit of a special one today, Jane. It's pretty exciting. We've got a guest. Oh. Yeah, pretty good. So uh, what, we're, what we're speaking about today is about coaching and the experience of being coached. Um, and, and we're really doing this through um, our desire to focus on the series, which is about behavior change. So we're going to be looking at um, the experience of being coached and how being coached can help people change their behaviours and how all that kind of stuff works. Um, and as I said, we've got a guest who's going to be speaking about that. It's a, a lady called Gillian McMichael, who's actually an ICF master coach, so that's great. Um, and really what our purpose with today is, is it's about trying to help people really get closer to a master coach and learn a little bit about um, what they think about coaching and their experience of coaching and, and how they see coaching contributing to behaviour change. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but before we get on to that, why don't we have a little chat about how people can get in touch with us? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So, as always, there's plenty of information uh, that underpins this episode, and you can find that at our website, which is www.thewowpodcast.org. You can also sign up for the Wow Mail there, where you get an alert when a podcast comes out with a little bit of background info and additional links. Um, and we would love you to come talk to us on social media and tell us what you think. Uh, you'll find us most often on Twitter and LinkedIn. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter's a good one. At LinkedIn the Wild Pod- well, yeah. At the Wild Podcast. But you can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, and finally, a special little plea from me. If you are listening, uh, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes or something else, and you are enjoying it, um, we would love it if you left us a little review. Because yeah, it's reviews, really... Yeah, it's helpful, isn't it? Well, it's and helpful, it's nice but, as well. but also it's really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I get proper excited when I see a new review come in. It is nice, And we've it? had some lovely ones. Yeah. Cool. All right, so that's getting in touch with us. That's what we're going to speak about. We're still going to be using the same structure that we normally use. So we've got definition discussions. The interview is going to be our research roundup. We'll have a list of the week. We'll have some stories from the keyboard, a few final thoughts, and then we'll be checking out. Um... But I guess before we get into that, how have you been? It's been a couple of weeks now since we've recorded. It has been a little while, hasn't it? I'm good. I feel like, although it's still really, really cold uh, when we're recording, I do feel like the sunshine's coming, which is nice. It is. Um, and when we recorded with Gillian, we were sitting in a lovely sunny room yeah. in her offices, which was really lovely. Uh, so I'm good overall. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm feeling like there's a lot of good stuff coming down the road. Yeah, I think you're going to mention one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um... So there's good stuff. Uh, I'm doing well. I've had a nice couple of weeks. The sun is out. I'm one of these people who, in the, the grey dark of the Scottish winter, occasionally feel a bit gloomy. Like, not properly, but I just am um, like, dude, when's this going to end? I like the way your voice <laughs> changes when you talk about that. Like you're reading um, the narrative of a children's horror. Yeah, maybe. Uh, scary story. Yeah, I'm just like, why am I spending my life living in Scotland? I love the country. so but, lovely. But why don't we just turn the lights on, like outside, like other places, you know? Um, anyway. Uh, so, so now the sun's out, I'm, I'm really excited about that, and um, generally it's been a good time. Um, but the exciting thing that we were going to mention was that we're building out a website, actually, uh, to sort of restructure a lot of the types of things we're interested in, um, and to bring together sort of learning and development content in relation to um, all the types of topics we cover. So, so we'll be um, releasing a website in June. Which is going to keep us busy for the next couple of weeks, which is kind of fun. Next couple of weeks. Next couple of weeks, whatever. That's James being slightly <laughs> optimistic about how quickly we can move things. Yeah. But, you know, you got to aim right, aim high, and, you know, build it and see what happens and see how it goes. Anyway, okay. so so that's um, a bit of a check-in stuff that's coming up. But let's get into some definitions. Uh, and then once we've got definitions, we can hear from Gillian. So, uh, in a bit of a turn-up for the cards... I'm going to be doing some definitions today and, and we'll probably learn why I do them less often than, than Jane I does think them. more likely you're going to show me how I'm meant to do it. <laughs> I don't think so. I always think of Jane, the way James approaches everything is the way it's meant to be done. <laughs> and then the way I do it is the way that it could be done if someone was a bit odd. Oh yeah, it's all great. I'm going to uh, stumble over my words, I'm sure. Anyway, definitions, definition discussion, here we are. 
we're going to run through a series of definitions, uh, but we're just going to go quite light on it because we've actually got another episode on coaching and we'll cover some definitions there and we've done some of these already. So um, we're going to run through mentoring, uh, coaching, counselling. We're going to speak a little bit about life, career, team, exec coaching and some of the differences between those. We're going to talk briefly about something called solution-focused coaching and then something else called perhaps transformational coaching as well. So, so some slightly different things there. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, mentoring. Um, Oxford Dictionary says that mentoring is about an experienced and trusted advisor um, or an experienced person in a company or educational institute who trains and counsels new employees or students. So for me, a lot of what mentoring means is that you're having a conversation with somebody who is uh, experienced in relation to the specific subject. So they can give you, to some extent, a bit of guidance, um, a bit of uh, personal experience, lived experience in relation to an area. So, so you can get some of the real practical advice um, from a mentoring relationship. So that's mentoring. The next is coaching. And we're going to use the definition from the International Coach Federation, which is uh, the body um, Gillian's a, a master coach of. And they define coaching as partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. Now, what coaching really is about is it's about um, becoming an expert in the art of conversation and questioning to help people um, discover things for themselves and progress. And, and coaches don't need to be experts in the subjects around which they are coaching. They are experts as coaches, but not experts in the underlying subjects. And that's a bit of a According distinction According to nature. the key yes. bodies that look after coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, I'm in not the, sure in all coaches would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But within these definitions, that, that's yeah. sort of a distinction between mentoring and coaching. So that's those two. And next is another biggie. Moving on to our, our number three, counselling. Um, and Oxford Dictionaries here says that counselling is the provision of professional assistance and guidance in resolving personal or psychological problems. Now, my take on counselling is that it's to some extent um, more uh, psychological based. It deals with more um, problems. It can be slightly more... Uh, retrospective and historic looking um, and it's it's probably a little bit more important to, to be really qualified and experienced because you you address through counseling some really challenging issues for people and help resolve some problems would be my take on, on counseling so you know coaches don't do counseling basically and mentors don't do counseling counseling's a, a profession in its own right there is a really interesting course though that um, is worth mentioning at a university in london and i think a couple around the world where they are offering a dual specialism. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's new-ish. I don't... I haven't met anyone who's done it yet. But I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know... I don't know how comfortable I'd be with that. Um, I feel like they are two separate spheres, but I also understand how the skills could help you. Yeah, there's a crossover. Do the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just have to wear your right hat for the right day. I can absolutely see coaching going in that direction, though. Yeah, yeah. Coaching is evolving. And that's something that we, we chat a bit to Gillian about. Um... So next, we're going to touch on a few different areas of coaching. So when, when you speak to people about coaching, they might talk about life coaching. They might talk about career coaching. They might talk about team coaching. They might talk about exec coaching. You know, there's all kinds of different bolt-ons you can stick to the front of a word coaching to define different types of coaching. And really, it's about the subject, right? Yeah. It's about what the topic is that you're having coaching for. Totally. Usually. Totally. Or how many of you are doing it or yeah. what stage of your career you're at. I mean, whatever. So... Um, life coaching is about coaching for, you know, improving your personal existence by looking at all the factors that affect you, your, I guess, sense of fulfillment in the world at that point in time. Career coaching focuses specifically on your career. Team coaching is where a coach will work with a group of people who are in a team to address slightly different things, but it's kind of a one-to-many relationship in that respect. Exec coaching is coaching that focuses predominantly on leaders executives who face potentially different types of challenges and maybe more like realistically tend to get more funding for this kind of stuff than other people um so that's kind of a different types of coaching um or different types of uh, focuses or audiences for coaching and then there are two specific sort of approaches to coaching we're going to touch on one is solution focused coaching and the other is transformational um solution focused coaching or goal focused or you know phrases like that they're all about helping somebody um achieve a specific goal Right. So in these things, what, what you the way the coaching works is you'll speak to somebody and you say, well, where do you want to be in the future? You'll help them discover that. And then you say, OK, well, how are we going to get there? And you look at defining actions and steps that people can take and you support them to some extent through that transition from where they are now to where they want to be. Right. 
So it's helping them achieve a goal. And there's a lot of benefit to, to those um, approaches to coaching. Uh, the other type of coaching we're going to touch on is transformational. <clears throat> and transformational coaching from a location, a website called Animus says that transformational coaching seeks to bring about increased awareness of a person's model of a world in order to create new possibilities for how one sees oneself, other people and the world. Um, and I guess what that really means is that transformational coaching is not about helping somebody reach a specific goal or destination. It's about helping them reimagine themselves and change themselves and change their worldview and change, I guess, to some extent, their, their patterns of thinking to get rid of negative thought patterns, to bring in more positive ones, to reframe their perception of the, uh, you know, the world that they operate in to a better outcome. So for me, I'd say that transformational coaching is um, it's not about helping people get from A to B as in the solution-focused coaching. It's really not about that. It's about helping them change who they are um, so that they know if B is the right place for them uh, and they can be better at getting there themselves. So for me, that's kind of a difference between them. How's that fit with you? So I really like this definition. Um, I'm not sure uh, how I feel about the phrase transformational coaching. Yeah. Um, I, I, I It feels like a ticket seller. Um, I think when people are in two minds about where they want to go it feels exciting to be transformed and yeah. I don't think I don't think coaching transforms people um, but I do think it transforms your perspective of the world and you in it if it's done right um, and so I like the definition whilst I don't particularly like the term yeah there's sort of these phrases are out there right um, yeah and, and you know marketing has a huge role to play in this because it's an unregulated sector people can say what they want um, and people choose you know terminology that yeah. sounds like you're getting bang for your buck. Yeah, the reality wow. is that, that change is hard. Yeah. Um, and the reality is that coaching is one of the tools you can use to help you in your journey to do that. Yeah. Um, but the coach isn't going to do it for you. And uh, therefore, for me, the definition is accurate in the sense that it, it can bring about a change in your perspective of your place in the world. Yeah. Uh, whether that's personally, emotionally, from a career perspective, your earning potential, your relationships, whatever it is. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't we uh, introduce and hand over to somebody who actually knows what coaching is a little bit more than we do and see what they say. Should we, should we cut it there and see what Gillian has to do? Yeah, I love this conversation. Yeah? So let's hand good. over. Great stuff. Right. So let's move on to the research roundup. Um, as we said earlier, it's going to be a little bit different this week. Um, normally it's just us, but what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be chatting to Gillian. Uh, um, and focusing, as we said, a little bit on coaching and the role of coaching in um, behaviour change and how coaching supports changing behaviours. But before we do that, um, Gillian, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, I would. Hi, I'm Gillian McMichael and I'm founder and creator of Full Circle Global. So we're a global coach training and coaching organisation and we have offices in Edinburgh, London, but we also work in Dubai and have offices there alongside our office in Germany. Great. So how long have you been coaching? Um, in total, about, well, professionally, 18 years as a full-time coach. Great. But prior to that, I was in learning and development and human resources for 12 years. Fine. Okay, so you've got a bit of a, a bit of experience to share with the listeners today. I have, yes, hopefully. Oh, that's very exciting. So I guess as we're just starting things off, um, and as I said earlier, you know, we're focusing on uh, the role of coaching and the role of coaching and behavior change. I guess we should start by exploring what coaching really is. Do you think you'd be able to say a little bit about what coaching means to you? What is coaching in your words? Yeah, sure. Um, it's really interesting, actually. So for me, coaching very much is a partnership. It's okay. working with an individual to help them understand where they currently are in their life, their career, or whatever it is that they want to be talking about. And I suppose it's my job to help them understand what they need to do to either achieve any goals or aspirations that they have, or even change behaviours, um, if need be, as well. Okay. And, and how do you think coaching really supports that change of behaviour? I mean, we've talked in, just so you know, in, in terms of context, in some of the other episodes we've recorded but not released, we've talked about the process of behaviour change, we've talked a little bit about motivation, we've talked about habit forming, things like goal setting. Where, where do you think coaching sits with all of these? In all of them, actually. In all of them, okay. <laughs> enough. Yeah, I, yeah I, I think for me, you know, coaching, I always describe it to when those that I'm training is, is that coaching is a conversation with purpose. So it's got to be a meaningful conversation that's going to help people really understand what it is that they want. And then, I suppose, in a sense, you're helping them get them from A to B. Cool. Okay. 
And then, I mean, like I've been coached before, so I've been through that process, and I think you have as well, Jane, is that right? Yeah, uh, probably the most, the most significant changes I've made in my life have been started in a room with a coach, without okay. question, actually, when I think about it. Yeah, so it's really, it's really interesting to me to hear you say about partnership, because I've never heard it phrased that way, but absolutely that's how it's felt for me when I've been coached. How do you, what's a healthy partnership in that context for you? Yeah, I think the key thing as a coach is one where you remain objective in terms of that relationship. It's about holding the space and we're not judging any of the content or what the individual is experiencing. In a sense, we're just there to ask questions, listen, provide observations and challenge, obviously, um, their thinking, their belief systems, if need be, their, their values based, just to make sure that they are really kind of understanding themselves in the right way. And I think, as I said, that the partnership for me is very much that it's there's no hierarchy in that partnership so I'm not here to tell somebody what to do whereas you might do as a mentor or advise and guide and share your stories it's very much not about me as the coach it's very much about yeah helping that under uh, helping that person understand what they need to do and where they want to go but providing a self space a safe space for that conversation to take place and unfold and, and, sense. and how much clarity do, do, do you think people have when they start the coaching journey? Are they clear on what they need? Is it a range of options? Or? Yeah, I think it's a range, of, a range really. I think sometimes people are quite clear, like I want to change my career or I want to get promoted. So very kind of some definite kind of ideas about where they want to go. And others are just kind of stuck. You know, that okay. sense of where they're looking for either a little bit more purpose in their lives, not sure what it is that they want to address, but they know something's not right. And therefore, that conversation when those people come to us will be very much more kind of initially a much more of an exploration around, well, what are the options? What are the possibilities for them? And to help them find that clarity. Yeah. And how do you... So I'm really interested in this because I think um, some of the people that I mentor are afraid to embark or find a coach because they don't feel they have the question yeah. in inverted commas or in have the, the clarity of what they want to get out of it. What would you say to someone who's like, I feel like I'm stuck, but I don't yet know where I want to get to? Yeah. And I think that's what's really exciting about our job as coaches, actually, is that in a sense, you have to get to the root cause. And I think, you know, when again, when we're training and when we're, we're, we're working with people, you know, people might come presenting the symptom, which might be something's not right, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And so I suppose we need to do that deeper, deeper exploration through questioning, through thought provoking questions, not questions that the individual knows the answers to already. So in a sense, we have to be a bit investigatory in our sense, um, in a sense, in a way that, again, is is meaningful and thought-provoking um, but not in a way that will be judging in any way so I suppose we have to work hard um, to ask the right question okay and I guess that's where the partnership bit comes in because if someone feels like you're both trying to explore together you've got a better chance yeah. of identifying those those meaningful pieces of information absolutely and I think the one thing I missed before is actually about trust I mean it's so yeah. important that trust is in the relationship um, so you know to, to be able to ask those challenging questions or those thought provoking questions that actually the individual might not know the answers to that safe space has to be one that's created and, and, and built upon trust and we know that when people come originally you know we start to build rapport the first kind of times we meet but after that that trust will deepen and again once we've set the kind of relationship in the way of operating the way of working um, and we can do that through really effective contracting at the beginning of a coaching session then we can find that can really bode well in terms of I suppose pushing the boundaries a little bit more of taking people out of their comfort zones through the questions that we ask. It would be great at some, at some point a bit later on to talk through that coaching journey because I think there's a lot that's relevant in that. But, I, but before we do that, what types of people or groups do you coach? Gosh, it's a, it's a real varied mix. So last week, for example, I was with a couple of executives. Um, I did a couple of life coaching sessions yeah. where private clients wanted to explore aspects of the life that they wanted to develop and improve on. And then I did team coaching with a, with a leadership team of a renewable con of a renewable company. So actually, cool. it's really mixed bag. I mean, I feel for, for me personally, I think coaching should be available for all. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's always been seen as a, a prerequisite for executives and so forth, yeah. uh, you know, over the years. But I think as we progress now into much more, I suppose we're in times of complexity and challenge, more and more people are becoming aware of coaching and actually the benefits of it. So you find that actually you get much more of a mixed bag of clients coming to you. And do you have, you mentioned a couple of different ways that you're coaching group and individuals yeah. and 
and life coaching. Do you have a favourite? Is there one that you find harder or easier or do you want one you prefer? I always think team coaching is quite difficult because you've got lots of people in a room with different agendas and so you have to spend a lot more time up front getting to understand um, I suppose more around what might hold them back from contributing effectively and and, and, and try and understand the dynamics, the stuff that's not necessarily been said in teams um, that, that we know kind of sometimes exists. So that can be a bit more challenging and I think you have to be with all coaching you have to be alert and you have to be present and in the moment because you don't want to miss anything that the client is saying but with groups you've got to really spot the stuff that's not being said because that obviously that's the stuff that's going to add some real insight into the the group learning yeah Yeah. that makes sense i um i used to facilitate with leadership teams well i still do in um, the non-profit sector and it never ceases to amaze me they can tell me what the hierarchy is on a organisation chart and then you walk in and it's very clear the people who are influential in the room bear no resemblance whatsoever to that chart it takes a good quite often a whole session to go oh I get what's going on now and that's not what it says on paper absolutely and and you touched a little bit earlier on some of the things that, that you work with people on could you elaborate a little bit on the, the types of, of reasons that people come to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll just give you some examples yeah. of the things that I'm working with at the moment. So um, I'm working with somebody who was asked to improve their presentation skills. Okay. And actually, when we got underneath the surface, it actually wasn't the presentation skills that we needed to address. That was the symptom. Uh, sure. but, but the kind of the root cause is very much that the individual had lost her confidence in the role that she had so she'd lost her voice in that leadership role that she had and so we worked a lot on that and that was really meaningful and actually on the back of that her presentation skills improved as you would as yeah, you would imagine yeah. a funny thing, isn't absolutely it, right? um, and then you know with the leadership team for example it was about helping them find their purpose they, they were working in a matrix based operation yep. where you know they were getting direction from the location head office in Germany and they were also um, trying to develop a, a leadership culture within the UK operation. And I think for many months or maybe many years, they've been blaming the system for the lack of well, their that's, achievements. That's what the system's for, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so that was really all about behaviour in terms yeah. of leadership behaviour and actually really showing up to be a leader within the UK operation. That was quite challenging for yeah. many of them because they've been used to working in a way where... H, H, you know, head office kind of thing was telling them what to do and they were jumping, saying but how high, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, so that was really interesting. So we had to break quite, quite a lot of barriers down for yeah. even just to get to the first part of understanding around what a leadership team actually is and what it means to them. Do you find with, with people like that and with clients of that sort of background, do you find there's a confusion about being a great manager versus being a great leader and, and what <laughs> absolutely. the difference is? Yeah. And we spent a long time talking around, yeah, what is your role as a manager versus what should your role be as a leader? And actually what we find, in, in even when I'm working with executives, you are, I'm finding at the moment that a lot of people are working at that lower level yeah. than they should be. So they're not really truly leading, they're, they're doing a bit of a hybrid but actually maybe not so good hybrid of managing. And actually most probably a lot of them are fine, I would say being caught in the, the weeds, you know, yeah. um, really kind of um, doing a lot of operational stuff that they shouldn't really be doing. And I think it's probably a good thing to shout out to some of our listeners. We know quite a lot of you are in relatively early stages of your career. And one of the things that I would flag that's I think so relevant from what you said, Julian, is you don't have to be in any particular position to be a leader, to adopt leadership skills, to show them. And I think a small amount of coaching earlier on in your career can really help you, in my experience anyway, and from a very personal point of view, completely change my context about what my role was within a team. Yeah. Um, and I think I don't think I would have got it if someone else hadn't been able to sort of look at what I was doing going, and call me out a little bit on it and say, hang on a minute, why you don't have to be like that just because that's your job title. Absolutely. It's very easy to fall into that sort of being a manager trap or doing things the way that they're done without reflecting on yourself and being clear on what's important to you and behaving in the right way. So, so really, really interestingly, um, a lot of listeners will know that I talk about my ex-bosses a lot. Yes. I was having Which a text conversation. Today? I was having a text conversation with one in particular <laughs> last night who texted me and he's having some coaching himself. At the okay. And he was, he was, he'd set himself an exercise to ask me some questions. And he asked me what the single biggest thing I, he did for me um, or what he did to help me prioritise my development and mental health. Okay. And I was like, he sent me to a coach and gave me a space to talk about that stuff. Yeah. And it was it, it was a very uh, totally irrelevant that we were recording this today. Yeah. And I suddenly looked at it and went, "Oh, that's how big it was. That's yeah. how significant it is." And I think I think that's um, for me when managers do that, it's it's an extraordinary thing. Yeah. 
I would agree. I mean, I think there's a real sense of we value you as an individual and we want to help you develop and grow. And I think when we're so time poor and there's such a focus on traditional bottom line stuff, um, we can get lost in all of that. And I think a lot of organisations are now kind of waking up a little bit more to the realisation that actually if you spend a little time developing your people, then actually you're going to get better results in the long term. Really simple and it's it's quite basic and uh, you know but at the end of the day I think it makes a massive difference. Yeah and I, I think a lot of you know my experience of sort of learning and development and, and change programs in organizations is that certainly historic, historically a lot of a training used to be around helping people be better at doing what they do or giving them rules and tools to, to use in different circumstances but my experience of coaching is that it's not about the rules and tools it's about understanding yourself and improving as a person and gaining more clarity so that you're consistent with yourself and you behave in ways that are better and it, it for me leads to longer lasting benefits for the people involved. It does and I think that, that that sustained learning or that sustained growth is something that I think is really unique in coaching so you yeah. go on a training course to be an effective manager and that's all great because it'll give you tools and techniques and, yeah. and develop a skill set that you might need to, to, to grow into or use when you go back into the day job but I think what coaching does is it's that it's the unique journey yeah. so it's about that as you said it's the self-awareness it's and it's the creating more awareness about the impact that you have yeah. why you do things how you get triggered and then how you behave and how you emotionally respond to situations and scenarios in the workplace or not or just in general life yeah. and I think it's that for me that makes the difference because it's specifically focused around you and yeah. nobody's telling you what to do you're figuring out the answers yourself yeah. and what so my, my uh, somewhat mature mum refers to it as uh, oh you're doing you helped uh, your supportive navel gazing she refers <laughs> to it she's like you just need to get on with it yes. that's what you need to yeah. and SMG, I have although right? I absolutely disagree with her I have yet to construct a really good argument because <laughs> she's my mum what do you come up against that sometimes with yeah. organisations who may be a bit resistant to it you do and I think what I always say as well is that you know <laughs> Navel gazing is good for a very short period of time. I think if you spend too time na- too long navel gazing, you know you 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 lose yourself in that sense of 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 turning learning into doing and to take action and I think that's the one thing that I really like about coaching is that there is always a focus on moving forward so we're not just having static conversations just for the sake of it you know uh, we want to explore but then there's okay so what are you taking away from that and how then can you put that into practice when you leave the session whether that's into your wider life or into your work environment and I think that's what I find quite powerful about coaching is it's always got it's, you know you start from the current reality you do a little bit of exploration you might do a bit of navel gazing but then you have to look up and say right okay so where do I go now and actually how can I apply what I've learned and put that into practice yeah okay all right so so that's a, a I think quite an interesting overview of what coaching is and a bit of a reflection on um, the types of people who can benefit from coaching and, and the types of coaching that, that you do and a little bit about what it's like what what I'd like to touch on now is what's the actual you know what's the overall process like so I think a lot of people haven't necessarily been coached what's that sort of coachy journey like I mean where does it start how do people find out how do they engage what are the first stages how does it flow through yeah absolutely I mean I suppose you know it might start with an initial conversation with the line manager around what they want to do in terms of their, their development and more and more people now are actively taking a lot more responsibility for their own um, development and growth so there might be something in that where they have an initial conversation and coaching might be something that the organisation offers if somebody wants to invest in it privately then it will be more around okay to, to do some research I suppose on who's out there as a coach and to then try and find a coach that you feel um, you can work with them you know because okay. the relationship is so important normally what would happen after that would be a pre what we would class as a pre-consultation which is an initial kind of get together where I think some organizations call them chemistry sessions yeah I've heard that you know um, might be a bit cheesy but actually it's a good way to describe it because it is about chemistry it's about whether you can work together whether you can start to build a rapport and trust and then you would kind of agree the parameters in terms of how you're going to work the Uh confidentiality piece and everything else that goes with that Um, assuming that goes well and then you agree to work with each other then you would normally work for around six sessions on average throughout the course of a six to nine month period depending on how long you decide to work with each other you could go longer you know you could have more sessions or less sessions depending on what the individual wanted to get out of the process 
And then again, you would meet on a regular basis, you would agree the logistics of how it work, and then you'd have those conversations with purpose, those coaching conversations. You would hopefully either set a, a desired outcome at that first original coaching session around outcome, um, and I suppose whether that's a big goal you want or whether that's just more specific real-time types of coaching processes, because there's the differences between transactional coaching and transformational coaching, and again, it depends on what the individual is looking for. Um, and then after that, you would hope that the client would get to where they wanted to get to and hopefully be successful. And you mentioned that chemistry piece and finding the mm. right coach. How, how do you know, so if someone, someone's thinking, okay, this is what I want to do and I do need a bit of help, um, how do they know they're finding the right coach? What, what do you look for either when you're being coached or what do you think people look for in, in you and your colleagues? That's a really good question actually. So I think if I, so I have a coach at the moment and the way that I chose my coach was around compatibility, was that chemistry. So I think there's something about gut feel. Um, okay. I think there's something about do I believe this person, one, understands me from mm -hmm. our initial conversation? Are they hearing what I'm saying? And do I believe that they can connect with my content, you know, in terms of what I want to be talking about and what I want to be working on? Um, I think sometimes where it can go wrong is when the coach starts saying, oh, I can do this for you and I can do the other for you. And actually, for me, it's very important that I don't have those interactions. I want somebody to say, okay, so what are you looking for? What do you need from me in terms of support? Um, so I can start to build and formulate that partnership. But I do think it's, I mean, we know within the first, what, three or four, five seconds that somebody can determine whether yeah. they like us or not, you know, in terms of first impressions. Yeah. And I do think it's the same here. But I do think as, if, if you are looking for a coach and to choosing a coach, my advice would be meet a couple, at yeah. least two or three people, and then you decide in that moment who is the right person best suited for you. Great. Good advice, I think. Just a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about the coaching process and, and you started to, to talk about, you know, the maybe six sessions or whatever it happens to, to be, you, you referenced there some of the different types of conversations that you have and you talked about transactional coaching and you talked about transformational coaching. Mm -hmm. Are there different approaches to coaching and, and how, how do those differ and what other types of coaching are there? Yeah, absolutely. There's, 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 a, there's a load actually. There's a load, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really enjoy working at a transformational level because I feel that working at that deeper level, um, which is not therapy, it's definitely coaching, um, that you can actually create those long-term shifts that I think people then can really achieve xyz in whatever it is that they want to achieve and they don't go back to old ways of sure. being old habits but transformational coaching can can work in all guises but also there's that kind of initial i need a one-off session or mm -hmm. i need some I, I need a quick fix to a situation or a solution and actually quite like to use a coach and that's where i see trans transactional coaching coming in Fine. um but also transactional coaching can come in more around when a line manager decides to take a coaching approach okay. to encouraging, uh, having different dialogues with their team members at work. Mm -hmm. And that can be quite useful as well. So very much around the transaction of task or okay. specific action-based kind of results that need to happen, then that can be quite an equally good process as well if you're looking for something not necessarily as deeper but needs a quick fix. Yeah. There's other things like, you know, Gestalt, there's art therapy that's coming quite big now in coaching, which is quite interesting. And then obviously you've got the emotive and the rational and then the solution focused. And I think for me, transformational coaching covers a number of those yeah. off, um, but isn't specific in either of those areas. So I think there's low, I mean, for me, as I said, I mean, I'm a firm believer of transformational because I know it makes, the, it creates a long-term shifts that need to happen. Yeah. But, but we know that depending on where the individual's at, they might need something else. Fine. Fine. So I guess if I just play that back a little bit, the, the two main ones that we talked about were transactional and transformational and transformational brings in some other aspects to it as well. And, and transactional coaching seems to, to really focus on um, kind of actions and reaching goals and, and achieving an outcome without changing an underlying set of ways of working and yes. beliefs and behaviours. Is yeah, that right? Absolutely. And whereas the, when you're working more at that transformational level, you'll be looking at behaviours. Fine. So whereas the transaction is more about specific to-dos yeah. um, that need to be done, yeah. um, but you won't be necessarily creating that necessarily that long-term change because you're not focusing on what's going on inside. Fine. So when we think transformationally, we want to be getting a dual journey between what you know having an external outcome which yep. might be the achievement of a goal but we need to understand what's going on within us so that we can 
break down any barriers, gotcha. any fears, uh, any limiting beliefs that might help, may stop us from getting to that cool. place where we need to get to. And so for me, it's about the balance between the inner and the outer journey at the same sure. time, whereas the transactional piece very much focus on the external journey. Right. So it's kind of like that classic iceberg analogy you yes. see everywhere, right? Absolutely. Transactional does the top, transformational does both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think if you, if you think about in sporting terms, which is where really the concept of coaching go back a long time comes from it's the difference between building a really great training plan which is important yeah. but convincing an athlete they have it in them to be able to achieve beyond what yeah the and getting them to, to, to live that belief and all yeah that kind of stuff. and to change everything about the way they do and i think i think we see it a lot in sport we talk a lot about coaches that are great at pinpointing specific technical failings and they're amazing they yeah. are absolutely brilliant at it and then we talk about the coaches who will take you on a journey yeah, and, um, I, that, and I would agree. I think that's exactly what transformational coaching does. It'll take you more on a journey um, rather than just specific technical focus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you when you do this type of coaching, say if you do transformational coaching with somebody, what kind of outcomes do you see? Lots. Lots. <laughs> <laughs> so I was coaching somebody last night who um, I've coached on and off for the last six to 12 months. Yep. And so, for example, she's given up a job in London. Wow. Um, she's left her partner, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I'm not quite sure you can look yeah. at that. Um, but she's just now um, moved to New York, and wow. she set herself up as a, a, in her own coaching practice and leadership development consultancy business. Wow! So that was a ma- that's a big that's life, a, change in a six big months, big yeah. life change. Now she came knowing she wanted to make changes and she needed to change things in her personal and professional life. Yeah. Um, but she has rediscovered who she is and she's found a confidence again and a belief in herself and on the back of that she's made some quite significant changes in, in every in every aspect of her life which is I mean that's a lot I mean we wouldn't yeah. expect somebody to do that all at once we've had other people get promoted uh, right. more recently where they've they've moved from a kind of a middle management role into their first leadership role which is always lovely to see and to support people through that process and then you've had others build better relationships with their colleagues um, when we've done the team the team piece in particular you know that kind of whole sense of working better together as a team mm-hmm. moving more into kind of high performance team concepts yeah. which can can be quite useful and in, in certainly in terms of some of the requirements that organizations need today I think that's probably my favorite ever coaching experience I've had was when I had uh, a coach help me with a, rela- a relationship of someone I was line managing yeah. and it was utterly transformational not just for our relationship but for the way we both went on to behave in our careers sure. yeah. and of course that supports your wider teams as well when your relationships fixed yeah and my, I mean it, it impacted my personal life for example yeah. in a way that I just hadn't thought about and yeah. um, so yeah, I, I get why transformational for you is the bit that yeah. it's, they're both important, but why that's the one that kind of excites you. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can't really have one without the other. I think you said it's the iceberg thing. So you do have to deal with the tasky stuff because that task stuff will help you get from A to B because yeah. you need to put things into action. Yeah. But it's the learning about yourself that helps that, as you've said there, will actually allow you to have a different experience. And not only will it just impact the, the, the environment that you're working in, it will in, in most probably impact the whole your whole life in many respects. And I guess that means for organisations, it's a better investment, really, because ultimately it's a much longer serving return. It's a Because it's, a, it? it's an ongoing either change or learning journey Absolutely. that people can take with them, even if they may not be coached anymore. Absolutely. And just on the back of that, I've just been doing some work with the ICF, the International Coach Federation, around... Um, coaching millennials actually and and the need to actually as line managers take that coaching approach as well for the younger generations coming through because that old kind of school that old school mentality of you know kind of more command and control yeah. we know is, is is really fizzling out anyway and has been for years but actually the desire now for people to have somebody to coach them on a regular basis mm. throughout their career is absolutely huge yeah okay and I think we're seeing people, rather than do that, they might withdraw together their support, thinking they're not able to yes. help support uh, newer employees or people with less experience. And that's equally fraught, I would say. Absolutely. So I guess I think we're kind of getting towards the end of our conversation here. I had one question for you, which is that um, maybe not so much, again, amongst our listener group, but certainly out there, there is a, a bit of scepticism about mm-hmm. coaching. Right? Some people aren't really sure about it, aren't really sure it's for them. What would you say to somebody who is sceptical about it? What, what, what's your 
feedback for them in a polite way if you can I would just say you know <laughs> try it you know yeah. it's it's okay to maybe make judgment on something that you've not really tried and I think you know we do get a lot of people especially when they have been sent to coaching through an organization yep. where their line manager might feel coaching is the right solution and I always say to people they come in and they're usually quite um, uptight about the whole experience and think that they've been sent because there's something wrong and I say listen you know why don't we just have the first session you know if you don't like it at the end of it or you feel it's definitely not what you want then that's fine we, we, we don't need to continue but everyone who's been through the process has continued to, to remain through the process. So my view is try it. You know, you'll never know until you try it. But if you don't fancy it, then that's absolutely fine. Cool. So give it a go, right? Yeah, I give it a go, it I would go. say. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I was in that sceptical camp a long time ago and um, <laughs> benefited from it. And oh, is this your old accountant head coming on? Well, I guess my accountant head is always there. I want to see the numbers. Show me the numbers. Um, but I, I've benefited from coaching and I enjoy it as well. So that's good. All right, any last questions from you, Jane, before we wrap up? Um, no, I don't. I, sorry, I was going to do my classic. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't think so, but just one. <laughs> I guess the one thing uh, I'd be interested in, there are some people that will be listening that maybe don't have the resources to invest in coaching right now, but uh, are aiming for that. Is there anything they can do right now to start learning and helping themselves so that when they do have access to those kind of resources, they'd be ready for their coaching journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some simple tips would be to kind of write a list of to-dos that you'd like to achieve. You know, people call it the bucket list, whatever it might be. But I think you can do something on your own to begin with. I always say keep a reflective journal. That might sound a bit airy-fairy, but actually if you start to write things down that you want to achieve or things that are bothering you, you can start to understand yourself in a very simple way. And it's actually quite a, well, it's, it's, a, it's a very non-expensive way of doing it apart from buying the journal or the, or the notebook. Um, the other thing is there's loads of self-help books out there that sure. I think could be really useful. Um, there's a great book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari uh, by uh, Robin Sharma, which actually is a brilliant, it's a very easy short story around um, a lawyer who basically gets ill and has to change his lifestyle. And he goes on a coaching journey, but it's not your typical coaching journey. So as a, as, as a book, you know, initial starting point, some of those things could be quite useful. Brilliant. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, let's just say thank you. I thought that was an excellent conversation. I really appreciate the time. Um, and who knows, we might have another conversation at another point as well. So that thank you. Great. Julia. Thank you very much. Cool. So, I mean, that was our chat with Gillian. It was really interesting. Nice to hear all the things that she's got to say. And, and as I said earlier, we actually recorded um, another episode with her um, as well, which we're looking to bring out at, at some point a bit later, um, which is about uh, how to become a coach and what it's like being a coach. But clearly the focus of this is around behavior change through coaching, uh, which is which is a fun topic. So, so that was good. Um, why don't we get ready and jump on to our list of the week? I think you've got a fun list of the week for us today. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't hype it up too much, but I like this. It's list. probably like the best list of the week. Uh, like if I had a list of lists, it would be the, the top one in the okay. list of all lists. Well, bear in mind, so quite often when I pick the list, um, I've got a real problem with lists generally because yeah. it really frustrates me when people put uh, articles up on social media saying things like, the single thing that yeah, yeah. CEOs do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So like secret that. habits of success. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. nonsense, right? Get and, up at 4.27 exactly. Yeah. You know? Oh, I read one this week. It really it like upset that? me. It was Twitter and it was yeah. the Twitter guy. Um but oh yeah, his uh, like, the, the life habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I have an intravenous ice yeah. bath in the morning. And, and, and yeah. the, the challenge I have with things like that, very specifically, is that um, it doesn't sound like any kind of life to me. That's frankly. <laughs> but if it works for people, that's fine. Yeah, but the whole point yeah. is, it works for you, right? Yeah, we're all unique. Um, we spend our lives uh, trying to figure out uh, what's the commonality. So I'm a bit nervous about this, but I like this list because it's a survey. Um, it's from the guys at Corn Ferry. Um, who do lots and lots of kind of work in supporting people in execs and and things like that. And they did a survey around um, the challenges that people identify as wanting to be coached on most often. And they did a big survey uh, of 200 coaches around the world from their network. And they said, these are the things that most commonly people are coming to us with. So things people want to be coached about. Yeah, so, before, so right? challenges they want addressing when okay, they're coaching. Okay. Right? And uh, they did it and they split it three ways. So they split it between C-suite, so CEOs, COOs, CTOs, etc., top level, uh, people who are senior managers or VPs, and then sort of middle management level. Um, so I'm going to start with the top 10 things that middle managers went to. And okay. then I'm going to tell you just a couple of the ones that I think is really interesting about how they change as people move up through organizations. Yeah, okay, cool. So, starting at number 10, 
because I like to do it like do, a do, do, Tom's do. Pops countdown. Yep. There's a British reference. Mm. British 1990s <laughs> reference for people there. Um, uh, number 10, time and energy management. Number yep. 9, mentoring, developing internal talent and succession planning. Number 8, working with uncertainty and ambiguity. Number 7, motivation and engagement. Number 6, building effective teams. Number 5, delegation empowerment. Number four, self-awareness. Number three, communication skills. Number two, influence. And number one, interpersonal relationships, listening skills, and empathy. And really what you can see in that list is three sections. So the bottom three are around uh, uh, people's middle management skills at uh, things that they may not have been exposed to before, right? So when you when you are a middle manager, you may not in previous jobs have had to work with so much uncertainty, you won't have had a mentoring role in the same way, and you, you maybe have to manage your time and energy differently. Yeah. Then there's the middle section, which is very much about developing their teams, which makes sense if you're a middle manager, you quite often have a Yeah, you might be near to it. Yeah. It's quite often the most significant part of your role, right? Yeah, uh, so it's well, delegation, yeah. building effective teams, motivation, engagement. And then the top four are really about skills that we all need but that come to the fore when you start to become an integral part of a, a wider organization yeah. and they're around relationships communication self-awareness yeah which totally makes an influence but what's really interesting to me is how it changes as you move up all right so so which ones were first that we had we had we so that was the middle management the middle that's management. like the lowest level they the look lowest. at okay, the cool. earliest into their career Fine. so probably. we're starting at the, the bottom level and yeah so then there are when you look at the other two groups which is senior management vps and then at the very top ceo uh, c-suites mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a corporate term for people at the top of the organization yeah. in non-profits are quite often called the leadership team yeah. um and what's really interesting is what ebbs and flows so for example uh there are some that are just consistent across the lot right so self-awareness communication skills influence and interpersonal relationships all there and thereabouts in all of them Right. So that's for so, people so skills. Everyone, really, everyone acknowledges that these are things that are ongoing challenges. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, but what's really interesting to me is that uh, the VPs and the senior managers, so that next level up, are looking uh, at mentoring and developing internal talent and succession planning more. Yeah. And they're looking at leading during times of change more. And they're far less interested in, or they're less interested in, time and energy management and motivating. Uh, time and energy management and uh, working with uncertainty because largely I suspect they've already had to do that. Yeah. And also I think um, succession planning starts to become much more important because you start to think about juggling your teams mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and their various talents and the competing ambitions. Um, but leading in time during times of change, it's the first time that appears as you okay. move up the hierarchy. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting. Interesting. And what's really interesting is when you move to C-suite, okay. that jumps to being in the top four. Okay, so, so that are, moves are, from being not at all in middle management, leading during times of change, to fine. being at number nine <clears throat> in middle management, in senior management, through up to being number four wow. in C-suite. Oh, that's a huge piece. Yeah. And, and I guess a lot of role of leadership is around change now, isn't it? I mean, it's it, a... Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I just, it, I think that's really interesting. The other one that's introduced at that point, and I can't believe it only appears at that point, but it does, is strategy and strategic thinking. Okay. Wow. Here's in the top 10 for the first time, moving through, so not in man- middle management, not in senior management, only when you get to C-suite. That's is that in the top 10? Um, and I wonder how much that is about other people not having the time to step away and actually sure. see the bigger picture. But my all-time favourite, oh, and maybe I'm biggest, reading too much just... into it, but my all-time favourite fact is that while self-awareness was number four, in middle management yep. and number three in senior management it is the number one thing C-suites people are looking for that's so cool and you don't know that I can't decide if it's cool or not but I think it's well, cool well I, I like it I like it being there but yeah why it's there I'm not so sure about so is it is it because um, the people that make it there are maybe less self-aware or is it because they're increasingly aware of the importance of self-awareness or? so I have a theory okay, yeah, absolutely zero out, proof so my, I, I like both of your theories and I uh-huh. think they're true I think they're quite possibly true Mine is that when you move into senior leadership positions, it's much harder to get a level of honesty and scrutiny from the people below you okay. because you're in positions of power. And therefore, it is increasingly important to be self-aware and able to self-check because you may not be checked by so others. you're surrounded by the yes people. I don't even know if it's that. I think, that I, 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 I think people are 
quite often they look at people in positions of authority and they assume they know more. Yes, so well, you when, do, yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was early in my career and there were people, I was on a particular project that engaged with the leadership team. Yeah. And I thought they were completely wrong about three things and I never said anything for the six months. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the like, boss. they must know something I don't. Yeah. And it was only, ironically, uh, after I'd had too much to drink ah. with one of them ah. at someone's birthday due from work, who we both knew through other acquaintances, that I got a bit tipsy and told him all the things I thought were wrong with the project. And the next right. day I was working on the project. Yeah. Because he was like, you know more about this than the leadership team. So, and so, you should. Yeah, just for listeners, area. maybe listeners take careful lessons no, no, from don't that don't message. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but my, I guess my point yes. is that um, those, some of those leadership people that I was dealing with were blissfully unaware yeah. that the because they'd risen from the organisation yep, 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 they yep. could not understand how their relationships had changed such that people had changed their perspective of how they give honest feedback yeah, yeah I'm with you and I know we'd, 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 we'd done an episode on feedback yep. uh, which I think is really important and relevant to this because actually I think one of the things that C-suite people get from coaching is a level of honesty, honest conversation that they may not get internally. Yeah. And I'm not saying for all organisations, but I just, it, it's one to throw in the mix about maybe that's why. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've got something else occurred to me while you were talking about that, and that's to do with the uh, the impact and, and sort of um, strength of, of, I guess, impact on others that leadership have. So when you're a middle manager, the impact that you have as an individual on others is maybe a bit less, so your self-awareness is important, but maybe not as significant in its importance as it is if you're... A, you know, a chief exec or one of the other chiefs out there, right? So if you're at a C-suite and your behavior is unhelpful, then it can have a huge impact on a lot of people. So you've got huge. to get some of that self-awareness right. I mean, like leaders cast really, really long shadows yeah. in organization. Yeah, I think that's really true. So maybe I there's something in that. Maybe I think it's just more important. Is. I think de- No, I definitely think there's something in that. And I think um, the other one just to mention, which I thought was really interesting because it's a personal... It's the thing I, mo- I most consistently coach middle management on is around delegation and empowerment. It's hard for people to do um, And what's really interesting is it's number five with middle managers. Yep. It's number eight with senior managers and it's just not on the list. No. And my bet is they know how to do it. Yeah. When you to, because to get there, you have to yeah, have yeah, made yeah. room in your own space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only do they know how to do it, but the people that are working for them know how to do it as well, right? Yeah. So they're in that place where people are just doing, doing that. And there's a lot of... Uh, sort of personal accountability at that level as well which is yeah the, the, I guess the one bit that I'd be really interested in which I don't think is great is not great but it's, oh, it's the wrong word I, I wish I had more information around the bit around influence okay. because I think influence is largely a catch-all I think it's a dreadful phrase um, I think yeah, I mean, okay. influence in what way and to whom and how and why um, when and why and to what purpose yeah um, so I think one of the things that I talk about quite a lot with what would be the equivalent of that mid, of that senior role, so below the C-suite, yeah. is around influence over resources within their organisation. As um, in getting resources? Or yeah, as in making the yeah. argument, making the case such that they have the access and their teams have access to what they need to do the sure. job they want. So time and money. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think it's big enough that it deserves a category of its own, given how often I spend my life talking about it, where people, the difference that I see between those two, those three levels is that people in middle management are given a set of resources and they make it work. Yeah. People at senior management get more resources when they need to do the job that they want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And, and that to me is the single biggest shift I see. Cool. Well, I like that list. Good. Well, I've got all three lists. So the top 10 for the yeah, C-suite yeah, for the senior yeah. management. We're going to put that up on the website. Yeah, we'll share Thank that. you to Juan Ferry. Yeah, thank um, you. I like your stuff. And I like the questions that you asked. I think it's useful. And I think it's... Um, I will probably share it now with people that I'm coaching. Yeah, it's Because I think it's useful yeah. for them to think about it's it. It's also a bit of a pick list. Well, that's <laughs> well, that's what I like mean. It's like kind of a... Which list are you going to pick yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you you, you know, like you, you're shopping on like um, online sites or supermarkets. And it's like other people who bought building effective teams also bought influence right you could <laughs> yeah absolutely package it up but i do i just i just i am fascinated that the bit underneath c-suite no one's talking no one's asking for help with strategy yeah i mean how do you get is it is, is it because people are moving in c-suite literally because they're good at what they do yeah yeah, yeah. Rather or, than or the definition of strategy or the strategy yeah, on the side. i mean so certainly in the larger organizations that i've been part of strategy is a function of its own at the corporate level so you've got your strategy function that often sits kind of beside the exec yeah um so it's just a different type of thing and okay. i guess maybe it's where and how people define strategy. that makes sense okay so that's my list of the week cool very good should we uh tell some stories from our sure. keywords um well, what's um, your story jake so my story i guess this is experience of, of coaching 
um, and experience of, I guess, being coached myself. So, um, you know, I've been coached various different times in various different ways. And I guess for me, one of the things that's really important for me is that um, where coaching has been successful for me and really helpful, it's when I've been clear on why I'm doing it and my motivations. So when I've gone into coaching relationships because, you know, coaching seems like a good thing that everybody's doing or that I should be doing because of my role or whatever it is, I kind of go in and I, it doesn't really or hasn't really done a huge amount for me. Right? I've had that conversation with two people. Have you? Yeah. Who said to me, I said to them, why are you having coaching? Because people say it works. Yeah. Like, to do what? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Be, and, good, be better. Yeah. And once you get through some of that, great. But having clarity of motivation and purpose, I think, is helpful for coaching. Well, and fundamentally, you've got to be in some form dissatisfied with something in your life. Yeah, yeah. And of if course, you are utterly well. satisfied with everything in your life. You are not going to get a lot out of coaching. No, no. Apart from less time. Yeah. To lead your wonderful life. Anyway, so that, that's kind of a, a story for me about that is, is you know, um, it's better when, when I have a purpose to it. Okay. What about you? Uh, I, I, I can't remember if I've told this story before, but I had, uh, as you know, my bosses and ex-bosses play a, a major role in who I am and shaping yeah. me. One of, uh, one of them in particular um, sent me for coaching and uh, they sent me for coaching. And I remember walking through Soho in London to this really fancy office. Ooh. I know, it was tiny, but it's really Swanky. fancy with lovely Rachel, who, shout out to Rachel. Uh, she's amazing. And I remember walking along and I couldn't decide if the fact that I was being invested in by my boss was the best thing ever or that I had screwed up so badly oh, yeah. is that it they were prepared to fix it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And that he was that desperate and didn't know how to fix me. Yeah. So I remember that. And I remember going in there and I was really cautious about what I said. And I remember yeah, her okay. saying to me, just say it out loud. Yeah. You say it out loud, say it to me. And if it's not what you mean, you just tell me. That's not tell what I mean, me. but it's just emotional. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. says, I'm not going to hold you to anything you say. And I just verbally vomited all over her. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I'd been holding in well, verbalizing so, it so much. much. Yeah, yeah. We were an incredibly intense small team. Mm-hmm. Um, we loved what we did. And our relationships were completely unhealthy and unboundaried from a personal and professional point of view okay. and that's been that's been a bit of a marker in my career mm-hmm. um, so there's a number of teams that's been like that for me and I just I just remember saying it out loud and as I said it out loud I started to be able to pick out what was true straight away mm-hmm. and it's an astonishing thing and she was amazing because she, uh, she was like no that's counselling and that's not Fine. and this I can help and this I can't and this is probably something else yeah. entirely yeah um but let's pick out the stuff. And then she, when I when I'd spoken about it, she said, "Now, now, what of that actually is true to yeah. you?" Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, well, this is emotional. This is me just being upset." And I would mm-hmm. I would pick bits out, and I'd be like, "No, that's that's not true. I don't feel like that. I'm just I'm angry, mm-hmm. um, and I don't hate this, and I don't love this, and I'm not scared of this, even though I've said I am. But actually, underneath it, there is something. So uh, for me, that power of learning what it's like to say stuff out loud." Mm-hmm. And, and a safe place away from people who might be hurt by that yeah, yeah, was yeah. massive. Yeah. So for me, um, building work relationships and trust is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really easy, particularly when you're managing someone to fracture that by hurting their feelings. Yep. Um, and so being able to critique my team um, in a safe space yeah. for the benefit of me to be better to manage them was a really, really helpful thing. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to jump straight on to top tips with that because... I guess what I noted down as a top tip was that, you know, if you're um, if if you're in a coaching position, then then you've really got to embrace it and give it a go. And and if you're not saying stuff out loud, sometimes you're kind of processing and filtering before you say stuff anyway. So really, if you are saying it out loud straight straight away, you're you're kind of doing that verbal <laughs> verbal vomit um, and saying things as they come into your mind. That's a, a way to to really embrace what you're doing and really giving giving it a go, right? And you've got to give it a go if it's going to have a chance to work. Otherwise, if you guard and shelter and protect the things you say and shape then you're not really giving it a good go you won't get a good outcome no and i would say that's why it's so important to find someone you trust yeah you have you'll get the feeling um it's so funny because i i do some mentoring coaching now and i find it baffling that i say to people look you'll know if i'm the right person with yeah. a very within our initial conversation yeah. and I'm always baffled when they say at the end yeah you yeah, know I feel, I feel like I can really you know what's funny <laughs> like, <laughs> like do you <laughs> I know. why so, um, 
like with bits of coaching I do I do pre-consultation whatever you do all that have a catch up get to know people a little bit and and I'm not quite this strong but I'm almost trying to get people to not come back not quite but yeah. I'm like you know really and they're like oh I'd like to go ahead and I'm like well why don't you go and think about it take some time maybe speak to some other people decide you know but I don't want to jump into any of those conversations I want people to be comfortable with all that stuff before they do it and so that right person I think is helpful yeah and I think I think that that helps in that top tip bit because I would say always speak to more than one even if you absolutely yeah, know it's the right person yeah. because if nothing else it'll make you feel better about yeah. the one you've chosen um, and my other top tip um, would be if you are going to engage in the process and this is particularly true for both um, uh, this was not particularly true it's absolutely true both if you are an extrovert in terms of the way you process information or an introvert um, and it's to prep before sessions um, and totally. I don't mean try and guess what people are coaches are going to ask you and answer it. I mean, give yourself 15 minutes. So I used to walk up to Soho from my office and I used, it was about a 15 minute walk and I would sit in the cafe near opposite and I would always be early. And I'm not early for a lot of things. I used to be dead on time for everything. And I would be stare at the office in a kind of vacant thought process. Yeah. And I would just go through my notes of what we talked about last time. Yeah, yeah. And that was about being able to speed through the beginning of the session yeah. such that I got the most out Fine. of it. So you, you're I was in the headspace. In, yeah, in the headspace. Yeah, I was in the headspace pretty. and I was able... And, and if, you, if the, your coach is doing that and you're doing that, you're going to get the best out of your time. Cool. All right. Well, that seems to me like some good top tips from us. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, I think it's probably time to wrap it up. Wrap up the guest episode. Um, uh, but we got another one. Yeah, we do. We've got another one. And we've got some more coming up. We've got some fun, fun guests coming up over the next, um, I guess, month in terms of recording. But what's it like six months in terms of delivery who knows we'll put it put them out at some point but we've got fun ones um so we might even have a summer special coming oh exciting i know that's a long way off in get the sun hats and the sun cream we have to we have to try and schedule it so it goes out on the only sunny day in edinburgh (laughs) yeah exactly to be honest that's probably like today or september or something i know what are we doing inside yeah who knows all right um anything else from you no i don't think so have a lovely have a lovely uh rest of your week people yeah enjoy the day enjoy the week hi Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.